Vice President Lai Qingde received a group of 12 Japanese opposition lawmakers on Monday. The delegation was led by former Japan Foreign Minister Maihara Saiji of the Democratic Party. It also included members of the Constitutional Democratic Party, the Japan Innovation Party, and the Democratic Party for the People. Maihara said Japan supports the status quo of the Taiwan Strait and opposes any use of force to change it. He promised to do all he could do to help Taiwan join the CPTPP or the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. Lai thanked Japan for supporting Taiwan's inclusion in the CPTPP. Taiwan recently signed its first agreement under the Taiwan-U.S. Initiative on 21st Century Trade, and Lai expressed hope for a similar trade deal with Japan. The new T-Pass commuter car went through its first major test on Monday as rush hour commuters used it for the first time. Pa passenger flow was mostly smooth at Taipei Main Station, although long lines formed at the TRA's entryways. Currently, T-Pass can be used only at new, designated ticket gates when riding the TRA, Taizong MRT, or Taoyuan Airport MRT. But the government has promised to update the old ticket gates so that they can all accept T-Pass by the end of the year. It's 8 in the morning and commuters are swarming through Taipei Main Station. In the B3 Connecting Passage, office workers make their way from the railway to the MRT. But those with the T-Pass transit card are forced to use a single dedicated ticket gate, resulting in a long line. This is my first day using it. It's cheaper than original 1,280 pass. They expanded the areas where it can be used too, so it's really good. Despite long lines, no major problems were reported by users of the new T-Pass. The Taiwan Railways Administration set up special ticket gates for T-Pass and assigned extra staff to guide and disperse passengers. But the special gates were also open to holders of concession passes, causing confusion for some passengers. Hopefully, more pass readers will be added. If a dedicated ticket gate malfunctions, then it can be replaced quickly. Over the short term, it's because we only had three months to set up the system. Initially, this program was not going to be implemented until next year. Transport Minister Wang Guocai stopped by Taipei Main Station Monday morning on an inspection tour. Since the launch of T-Pass two days ago, 307,000 people have set up their cards. The pass was used 414,000 times over the weekend. Responding to the confusion of some passengers, the transport chief said that personnel will continue to provide guidance at the gate. He asked for passengers' understanding, saying that the railway's ticket gates will be updated. But the Taiwan Railway Administration blasted the ministry for its hasty T-Pass rollout. There are lots of problems with the T-Pass rollout. Employees have reported the problems to the so-called response center, but the center told staff to ask the maintenance center to handle it. What's the point of establishing a response center then? Railway staff called for a halt to T-Pass, saying that it was incompatible with the old ticketing system, but the pass has already rolled out. In response, the transport chief said the program would be improved and potentially supported by a regular annual budget to support the promotion of low-carbon public transport. House and Senate committees have finalized their versions of the 2024 U.S. Defense Bill, kicking off the process of reconciling the legislation. With tensions rising across the Taiwan Strait, U.S. lawmakers proposed nearly 1,400 amendments, 34 of which concern Taiwan. One amendment invites Taiwan to join this year's Rim of the Pacific exercise. 
Taiwan's defense ministry said it would welcome any opportunity for training provided by allies and friends. Lawmakers from both major parties said they would welcome more military cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S. Taizong's China Medical University Hospital has put Taiwan on the map by earning a prestigious Smart Health Care Award by U.S.-based nonprofit HIMSS. It was named one of the world's top three smart hospitals of 2023. The hospital was honored for using three smart health care platforms to improve patient prognosis and the quality of medical decisions. The healthcare worker attends to her patient with meticulous care. Using smart technology, she's able to provide superior care. This year, China Medical University Hospital was named one of the world's top three smart hospitals by the HIMSS. Our AI solutions target severe diseases where the fatality rate is very high. For example, Klebsiella pneumoniae has a fatality rate of at least 60%. But through the use of our smart pathogen management platform, we were able to reduce the fatality rate by 20% during a very rigorous evaluation process in a competition against numerous foreign hospitals, they were able to see our important efforts in this area. Three smart health care platforms are being used to save critically ill patients, in some cases improving the survival rate by 20%. The hospital is also working on AI voice assistant technology. It's to help doctors and nursing staff by reducing the documentation burden and increasing work efficiency and quality. Earning the HIMSS accolade was no mean feat given the rigorous evaluation process. China Medical University Hospital is the only one from Taiwan to win the recognition. We have used AI and digital technology for the treatment of three major emergency and severe diseases, including sepsis, acute myocardial infarction, and acute respiratory distress syndrome. We were able to successfully reduce patient mortality and to save more lives. This is the main reason we won the award. The global honor reflects the hospital's commitment to merging traditional care with digital transformation and to optimizing its health care environment. Taiwan society is rapidly aging. In Ilan County, the local government has an innovative project combining healthy living in an old age with economics. Older people are excited about socializing, saving money, and staying active, thanks to the Health Save Sense Love Pocket Money project. Local residents in Ilan can join free exercise classes and win points for each minute they spend getting active. Those points can then be spent on essential items. Local officials are delighted with the success of the project, and they want to expand the circulation of the points so they can be used to buy more goods and services in the local community. A truck pulls into a residential community. The door opens to reveal a dazzling array of goodies. Porridge oats and toilet paper are among the essential goods on offer. Customers don't pay any money, they just spend their hard-won points. Then the music starts up and it's time to have a ball. After that workout, everyone has a snack and a rest. Volunteers are on hand to check the temperature, blood pressure and heart rate of the fitness fans. I come every day. I come to volunteer at 4 a.m. and leave at 6 p.m. Older people are so happy to come here. We can come and exercise together and collect points. 
The Health Save Sense Love Pocket Money project, run by Elan County government, encourages older people to get out of the house and get active by taking part in health classes. By attending class, they win points that can buy these goodies. After we started the classes, all the communities organized a competition to see who can collect the most points. They give the winner a prize. The scheme has won the social affairs department lots of praise. Now they've upped the ante by lowering the age limit for participants. Everyone over the age of 55 is welcome to get active and win prizes. We will expand the circulation of these points in the future to be valid as payment for all the industries in the community or local agricultural products. That's what we really want. The Social Affairs Department plans to release a Points 2.0 that local people can use as a local currency in even more locations. The project wants to combine healthy living, socializing and local economics to create a vibrant local culture. A political dispute is brewing over the cost of a visit by former UK Minister Liz Truss. The former minister made a five-day visit in May to express her support for Taiwan. Sources revealed that Taiwan spent nearly 4 million NT on the visit for items including transport, accommodation and fees for attending events and giving a speech. Critics contend that the funds should have been spent elsewhere, but the DPP defends the expenditure. This is the people's tax money and it should be spent appropriately. What exactly has been the benefit of spending this sum of money? When former British Prime Minister Liz Truss came to Taiwan, she also visited the Legislative Yuan. At the time, lawmakers from all parties reiterated their welcome. So I don't understand how it can be that as soon as she leaves, there can be criticism over the expenses and talk of a cover-up. I don't think that's in line with diplomatic norms. Premier Chen Jianren also addressed the issue. He said that the costs related to the visit were in line with national protocol. The foreign ministry said the same, emphasizing that all administrations use the same protocol regardless of their political party. The Industrial Technology Research Institute, or ETRI, held a forum on June 30th to explore the impact of generative artificial intelligence. AI specializes and industry leaders gave keynote speeches on the changes and opportunities brought by ChatGBT and other AI technologies. ITRI said it would lead Taiwan through its AI transformation using the four-pronged approach of trend monitoring, technology development, regulatory strengthening, and talent cultivation. This forum was part of a series of events marking ITRI's 50th anniversary. A photo shoot is underway at this indoor studio. You might be expecting a standard 2D portrait, but in just 20 seconds, a 3D human figure pops up on the opposite wall, where it shifts around and peers at its surroundings. Next, it's time for a half-body portrait. Choose a style and a photo greeting card is created instantly. With generative AI to unleash a wave of applications, Etri held a forum to explore industry changes and opportunities. As the industry meets generative AI, we have to think about the potential applications, how production processes might change, and how the overall working environment might change. It's our duty at Etri to lead Taiwanese industry through this wave of transformation. 
Etri outlined four strategies for helping Taiwan benefit from generative AI. First, continuing to monitor AI's impact on everyday life and industrial development. Etri also proposed improving industrial technologies to enhance information accuracy, as well as strengthening legal protections for intellectual property and information security. Finally, it proposed nurturing talent across generations to drive innovation and ensure a workforce adapted to new technologies. You'll hear analysis from the technology side. I'll provide observations from the perspective of global governance norms, and I'll put forward concrete suggestions regarding laws and regulations, including how we at Etri are taking action. As for applications, we have identified nearly 40 that could potentially integrate generative AI. At the forum, AI specialists and industry leaders gave keynote speeches to a packed house. Etri hopes that generative AI will drive Taiwan industry to even greater heights of global competitiveness. Healthy living is a huge trend since COVID-19. Taiwan's fitness in industry is booming, and it's not just a big chain gyms. Small-scale gyms catering to specific groups are proliferating. Gyms just for women are a big trend. Related industries such as nutrition coaching and fitness tech are also flying high. There are 902 gyms in Taiwan right now. That's an 80% jump since 2019. The whole country is crazy about working out in the wake of COVID-19. There are more and more sports grounds for outdoor training, and gyms are constantly opening. The fitness industry has changed. Once upon a time, most gyms were 700 or 800 ping of floor space. That's been condensed down so a full body workout can fit into just 70 ping. 18 machines are arranged in a circle, with a coach leading the class in the middle. Another coach helps students correct their posture. This gym is just for women and specializes in 30-minute long high-intensity training sessions. Trainers say that fitness is 30% training and 70% nutrition. Many teach how to raise your basal metabolic rate through a carefully designed diet. I'm a working woman and after I had children I felt like I got weaker. I used to quite easily get bloating and achiness in my lower body. That's all much better now. And maybe because I've changed my diet, I feel more slim and graceful. We've been in Taiwan for about 15 years now. Every five years we add on about 50 locations. So right now we have 147 locations across Taiwan. Our membership numbers have reached about 43,000 and we have 500 to 550 coaches nationwide. Statistics show that in 2019 there are about 165 plus gyms in the city of Taipei. By the end of 2022, we had grown to 300-something gyms. Output value had grown 160%. In the future, we will harness public-private partnerships and introduce exercise technology in the hope of helping businesses in the fitness industry pursue digital transformation. The unstoppable rise of healthy living is creating huge opportunities in the fitness industry. Now we meet one of Taiwan's most illustrious modern dancers, 
Cambodian-born dancer, choreographer, photographer, and academic Zhang Xiaosheng was recently awarded permanent citizenship. After a childhood full of displacement and migration, he established himself as an artist in Australia. Then he attracted the attention of one of the leading lights of Cloudgate Theatre and was invited to Taiwan. He's now been teaching at Taipei National University of the Arts for 20 years. He sat down with us to share what touched him most about Taiwan. Cambodian-born dancer Zhang Xiaosheng fled to China to escape the Cambodian Civil War. Later, he moved to Australia to unfold his dance career. Now a professor, he's lived in Taiwan for 27 years. One of the most important figures in his career was a celebrated Taiwanese dancer and late member of the Cloudgate Theatre, Luo Manfei. She said, what you've got is such a fluid movement, the energy, and most of all, it's got so much oriental color in it, oriental elements, but transformed fantastically. She said, we don't have that in Taiwan, you must come over here. So I was very moved. Wow, how sincere and passionate the Taiwanese are. And she revealed a very important message that what I create is needed. Throughout his teaching career, Zhang never stopped creating. He produced over 100 dance works over the decades, performing at major festivals and earning great acclaim worldwide. He gave his students ways to express their energy and challenged them to master their art. Zhang was granted an Alien Permanent Residence Card or APRC in recognition of his contributions to Taiwanese dance. When I first came, what touched me the most was the cultural diversity here. It allowed me to dive deeply into completing a full educational system. I suppose it was a kind of paradise where I could pass on all of my experience. From Cambodia, through China and Australia, and then to Taiwan. From early studies of history and a love of literature, to falling in love with dance and then photography, Zhang has had an extraordinary life full of intense highs and lows. He says that while life can never be predicted, you can learn to see each unexpected vista as a gift. A shoemaker in Taipei is adapting to greet the changing fashions of 2023 while maintaining the essence of their craft. The company makes and sells embroidered shoes in the heart of historic Dadaochun district. Once big business, the embroidered shoe fell out of fashion in the late 20th century. But now, the fourth generation wants to make embroidery relevant again. Chen Wei and Xu Zhongren are finding ways to use technology in their local workshops without compromising the delicate beauty that defines this traditional art. Nestled in a new Taipei alley is this narrow workshop where five or six shoemakers are hand-sewing embroidered shoes. A length of fabric is trimmed and the upper begins to emerge. The fabric goes through a sewing machine, is fixed and processed. The next step is bringing upper and sole together without any traces showing at the sides, a real test of the master's art. The shoe is glued together and then nails must be hammered in to stabilize the sole. We're still only halfway to a finished pair of shoes, despite the hours of skilled work that have already gone in. 
In the early days, embroidered shoes never had insoles. Modern people are used to trainers, so they think that wearing old-fashioned embroidered shoes will be uncomfortable and they won't be able to walk in them for long. So then we adopted a very thick insole like this. Shoemaker Xu Zongyuan inputs the command and 38,000 stitches are in motion. With the help of modern technology, hours of the most fiddly work can be shortened. This shoemaker first rose to prominence in Shanghai in 1936, but times change and sales have fallen since the 30s. The third generation of the family business strongly considered calling it a day. When I was little and I got up, I would never see my dad. He was already at work. He worked 365 days a year. My memories of him are that I never saw him. One day he thought he wouldn't be able to do it forever, and we discussed that and said it would be such a shame if, after it ended, nobody knew what embroidered shoes were anymore. When we started, we had no idea. Then we came back and took the business over, and the first thing we wanted to do was mass production. So we started looking for computerised embroidery, plus we studied some new skills and brought them into our workshop. Fourth-generation shoemaker Chen Wei didn't want to fold the 80-year-old family business, so she and her husband both quit their international jobs and went back to Taipei to help the family. They are continuously upgrading the system and bringing in connections with other industries. They've tested embroidery products in collaboration with EasyCard and other famous brands, bringing a breath of fresh air into this historical industry. I think it's thanks to him, my husband. He has a more business-like personality. When he thinks that this one thing isn't needed, he finds a way to create something else. Our mission is, we hope that we can promote the embroidered shoe industry and it can rise up to its centennial year. This old-fashioned shoe is transforming to meet the needs of the 21st century. As the business looks forward to its 100th year, the family is determined to keep embroidery in fashion.